Welcome to the Diverse Minds Podcast, where we give you the tips, tools, and techniques you need to be a mentally healthy and inclusive leader. Each week, you'll hear about a variety of topics linked to mental health, well-being, and diversity that will enhance both your professional practice and personal well-being. Welcome to the 18th episode of the Diverse Minds Podcast. On today's episode, I'm going to be talking about how to look beyond fleeting New Year's resolutions and think about mental well-being 365 days of the year. We hear every year, don't we? Setting intentions and then giving up on New Year's resolutions. The second Friday in January is apparently when most people quit or quote-unquote fail their New Year's resolutions in some way. It could be down to the time of year, feeling pressured into setting them or wanting to see quick results and feeling disheartened. I have to say, I gave up the practice of setting New Year's resolutions a long time ago, as for me, January is a time I want to hunker down, drink copious amounts of tea and read, not really set endless goals to feel stressed about. So in order to shift away from New Year, New You rhetoric, it can often be helpful to set intentions or to set a word or to set a theme for the year. But to set endless goals that you're going to reach can seem really overwhelming. So I asked key mental health thought leaders how they kept themselves well all year round, hence the term Wellbeing 365. These thought leaders are all trusted people I know have worked with or found their content extremely useful on social media. And many of them have lived experience of mental ill health, recovery journeys, are mindful in the way in which they look after themselves. I'm very pleased to share their pearls of wisdom with you. And I'm going to be revealing what they had to say. But there's enough pressure on all of us to be perfect. As someone once said to me one January, or 10 days into January, are you still a yoga vegan angel? I thought this was hilarious, but also very true. We're expected to put into action very quickly the way we want to be and magically transform in the month of January. Well, January is a tough time of year and heaping more stress upon ourselves isn't always the best way forward. I think it can really demotivate people and actually make them feel worse. So at this end of the episode, I'm going to be talking again about my January Jumpstart package, and that's two coaching sessions for a very special price. So what did my mental health leaders have to say about keeping themselves well all year round? And also, who are they? So the first person who told me how they keep themselves well is Poppy Jaman OBE. I've met Poppy in May 2013 during her time as the CEO of Mental Health First Aid England. And Poppy helped me to establish, at the time, the Mental Health First Aid England Higher and Further Education Forum. Poppy has now gone on to be a mental health advocate and champion, as well as her role as CEO for the Mental Health Alliance. And Poppy says, For me, it's a series of small activities that contribute to my well-being. I've started hot yoga again. It's one of my favourite forms of activity. I do weight-bearing exercise twice a week. I've started drinking haldi, which is turmeric, milk, I read a lot, nurture, and I'm learning to care more for my plants. I'm part of a global sari network which keeps me connected to women, my love of saris, and gives me something to indulge in that's separate to family and work. The second person I spoke to was Danielle Mensah, CEO of Kidan Chi. Danielle is an executive coach and advisor to companies and leaders wanting to create sustainable change. Danielle says, I consider self-care in all its forms, and whatever it means to you, to be vitally important. The first thing I do is to notice my state. Asking myself, am I calm, easy-flowing thoughts, belly breathing, smiling, laughing, and focused when doing tasks, or am I agitated, belly swirling, chest breathing, thoughts racing, and distracted? 
If it's the latter, I know I won't be at my best. So then I do things I know calm me down, like breathing exercises, tai chi, meditation, take a nap, walk in nature, have a magnesium bath, or listen to relaxing music that I love. I also pay a lot of attention to the quality and quantity and variety of food I eat in order to nourish my cells. Nothing is restricted so long as it's made of the right ingredients in the right way. In today's heavily polluted food chain, that means making a lot of fresh food and smart sourcing. Optimal nutrition for me is organic, whole food, diverse plants, grass-fed meat, raw dairy, and plenty of healthy fats most of the time. The third tip comes from Jaspreet Kaur, poet at Behind the Netra. I met Jaspreet at the Rising Networks Festival as part of International Women's Day in March 2018. Jaspreet is an inspirational poet and speaks about her mental health experience and journey as an Asian Sikh woman. Jaspreet says, remember to be kind to your body, gentle with your mind and patient with your heart. We're often so busy trying to save the world that we forget that we need to look after ourselves before we can attempt to do that. And you can find out more about Jaspreet's work at Behind the Netra and all my mental health leaders. I'll be providing information in the show notes. The fourth person is Neil Laybourne. Neil is the co-founder of the This Can Happen Mental Health Conference and charity ambassador to Rethink Mental Illness and Mental Health UK. He was a person who was on The Stranger at the Bridge that now works with Johnny Benjamin talking about suicide prevention and men's mental health and mental ill health. Neil told me, family and relationships keep me grounded and when I think I'm not giving enough attention to my close friends and family, I act quickly to rectify this. Really connecting in real life, face-to-face conversations brings much joy and provides experiences and perspectives I then put back into my work and passions. And I think this is so true. It's often very difficult to have face-to-face connections, but when we do, it does make a huge difference. The fifth piece for Wellbeing 365 comes from Petra Velsaboa, international keynote speaker, mental health consultant, podcast host, exec coach, psychotherapist and training provider. Petra says, I love my work so much that I sometimes need to be careful of overworking or moving towards burnout. I reflect regularly on how my body and mind are feeling. For example... Do I have pressure on my chest? Am I short-tempered with my children? These types of things are clues that I need to pull back and look after myself. I love a good morning routine, which isn't always the same, but it is there in some version. It might include gratitude, exercise, healthy food, and setting the intention for who I want to be that day. The other thing that's always included in my life is investing in deep connections with people who I can be fully myself with. The single most powerful tool we have is our story. As being able to talk when we feel like isolating ourselves propels us to greater strength and well-being. The sixth tip comes from Hope Virgo, author of Stand Tall Little Girl, mental health campaigner and public speaker. And I'm looking forward to having Hope on the show for Eating Disorders Week. Hope says, being a mental health advocate, I'm very conscious of my own well-being and managing it in the right way. I've learned the hard way over the last year when I came close to burning out. What I learned was work-life balance is key. You can't pour from an empty cup, so we need to make sure all our time has boundaries and that we manage them in the right way. We need to prioritise some me time each week, whether that's watching something on the TV to reading a chapter of our favourite book. This is crucial for my well-being and helping me stay on track with my recovery. The next person I spoke to is Ruth Cooper-Dixon, founder and managing director of Champs Consulting. Ruth and I are both mental health first aid instructors and I met Ruth at a CPD day for instructors in Leeds. Ruth says, I look after myself by always taking time to carve out some me time first thing in the morning. Generally, this is for about 45 minutes and includes meditation, crystal healing, journaling and yoga. The time is so precious to me and it ensures I'm feeling grounded for the day ahead. 
some commonalities and themes around checking how you're feeling, carving out a morning routine, and it might not be the same every single day, but having something that creates some space for you to start the day. The next tip comes from Nadia Mendoza from the Self-Esteem Team. Nadia joined my Twitter chat for Mental Health Day last year, October 2018, and she's one half of the Self-Esteem Team, and she also has her own podcast about girl bosses. Nadia says, Mentally, I found that learning to read other people and putting myself in their shoes has helped mellow me. For example, if someone hasn't replied to a message or someone responds differently in a conversation to how I'd expect, rather than obsess or worry about it, I understand that each person is navigating their own brain just as I am mine. And I can't control how anyone reacts to me. That's been a pretty powerful realisation that allows me to relax in any situation because it's literally out of my control. It's like the adult version of telling a child, it's okay, it's not your fault. And again, I think this is so powerful, thinking about how we can often absorb other people's energy, which is something that happened to me before Christmas, but actually that's okay. My next tip is from Johnny Ward, aka the Anxious Fireman Mental Health Training. Johnny and I connected on LinkedIn and I love the insights and articles Johnny shares on his social media from the perspective of working in the emergency services. Johnny has first-hand experience of dealing with mental and physical health problems, both professionally and more importantly, personally. He also works as a part-time psychotherapist, treating young adults for various mental health and emotional problems. Johnny says, you don't know how well you are until you're not. But it is this attachment to a somewhat expected wellness that I find causes the most problems in my life. I try to sit with what is good or bad. Both give way to each other eventually and both are there to teach you lessons. And that's also really powerful because I think in this world we expect good to happen all the time. But often it's the negative that teaches us things and we learn from those experiences and we know where our boundaries are. My next tip is from Sarah Card, blogger and mental health champion. Sarah and I have been connected on Twitter for two years and I learned a lot from her blog and personal mental health journey. She talks about her own therapy on HuffPost, mental health, parenting, lifestyle and living with borderline personality disorder. Sarah says, try not to be so judgmental of others and also try not to judge yourself. Judging anyone else will only bring you down. Instead, try to find that person's positive intent and also your own intent. Be empathetic and forgiving. Life is short, so if anything, be kind. Never a truer word spoken, especially in today's very polarised world. The next tip comes from Charlotte Underwood, blogger, author, freelance writer, mental health advocate and suicide survivor. And Charlotte's tip is very short, sweet and powerful. She says, I look after myself by giving myself the self-respect and love I needed when things were dark. And if you want to know more about Charlotte's work and her journey, she has a fantastic blog and I include the link in the show notes. My next tip is from Annalie Roberts, working to fight for mental health awareness. Annalie has her own podcast as well, and I connected with Annalie on Twitter two years ago with avid interest. Annalie's concept is called Piglettish, inspired from Piglet and Winnie the Pooh. She started this in March 2017 as a way to document her recovery from post-traumatic stress disorder. Annalie says, I've learned over the years to work with my mental illness rather than against it. I've learned that rather than conceding, working with it actually means that I recover far quicker than if I tried to fight it. There are moments you can fight and keep it at bay, but generally you're just delaying the inevitable. If you can learn to work with your brain, rest it, nurture it, love it, feed it, then you'll go far. Pick your battles. Poignant for everyone, whether you've experienced mental ill health or whether you've just had difficult times, picking your battle is essential. And finally, one tip from me. It's all about the pre-sleep routine. And many of you know that I talk about sleep and how I'm probably one of these people that needs a lot of sleep to function. 
So I give myself at least half an hour before I go to sleep to get cozy by reading, doing some bedtime yoga, and I do drink valerian or sleep tea. So I hope you found those tips useful and helpful to think about and not heap pressure on yourself to find one goal or one thing that's going to magically make you feel better. Taking this approach means you're not thinking negatively or unrealistically positively, but it's about taking a balanced view where you may ask yourself, hmm, that didn't go as planned. What could I learn from the year that went by? Or what could I learn from having setting myself very strict goals to follow or New Year's resolutions to follow? What could I do differently or change about that approach? This enables people to feel less stuck and see the options available to them if one way didn't work out the best. There are all things that we can do to integrate into our life to regularly support our mental and physical health. You've heard this from the experts. So movement and exercise, eating nutritious food to fuel you, thinking about your breath, using mindfulness and meditation, connecting with people that are close to you, checking the cues and the clues your body's given you about your state of mind, ring fencing time for you, being kind to yourself and having a hobby to distract yourself from rumination, picking your battles and finding a way to rest. So what will be your intentions and how are you going to integrate Wellbeing 365 into 2020? And also, why not find out more about coaching and if I'm the right person for you to help you with your wellbeing in 2020 by booking a free call with me on my Calendly. There's also information in show notes about my FAQs on coaching. And for January, I'm offering a very special coaching package of two coaching sessions for just £150, that's including VAT, but you will need to book your 30-minute free call by the 31st of December and be able to pay the price in the first week in January. I'd love to hear from you and I'd love to know what's working for you. What intentions are you going to set for 2020 and how will you integrate well-being into your life for the next 300, I should say 366 days in 2020 to come? And I'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Diverse Minds podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you access your podcasts from. You can also connect with me on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Tune into next week's episode of the podcast, where I'll bring you more insights on mental health and inclusion. Bye for now.